Well, if you were not here last week, we started a new series called This Is The Way. The series was inspired by the uber-popular TV show on Disney Plus called The Mandalorian. Uh, and we are looking at the way of Jesus and how he called us to follow him. And we're using this key phrase from the show, The Mandalorian, this is the way. Now, I think I mentioned last week, our family are huge Mandalorian fans. In fact, you may have been wondering all morning what my shirt says. So we went on vacation last month. And when we got to our friend's house, they had made us these epic shirts. So I'm going to stand up so you can see my shirt. My shirt says, Savage. And then it says uh, Papa Lorian. And then the bottom it says, I know the way. So we all all got matching shirts. Our friend has a connection uh, to a shirt person. And uh, she made us these awesome, awesome shirts. And so I had to wear it because we're in a Mandalorian-inspired series. I had to wear my Mandalorian shirt today. But, but one of the reasons that I, I love this show, The Mandalorian, is that you get to see this lead character, uh, the, the Mandalorian, in environments and situations that he never planned on being. His, his life doesn't take him the place that he thought he would be, and he ends up in situations and circumstances that he never thought he'd have to face. And so you see who he really is, his character, his values, his principles played out in all of these intense and adverse circumstances. And I feel like we're living through a moment where we're kind of all experiencing that. We're all navigating stuff that we never thought we'd have to go through. Many of us are finding ourselves in places we never thought we would be. And who we really are, our true character, is being tested and revealed in the midst of this adversity. It's kind of like the curtain is getting pulled back and you're getting the full picture that that's why many people have called the season that we're living through uh, an apocalyptic season. Now we often think about that word in terms of these apocalyptic movies, these end of the world movies. But the real uh, specific meaning of the word apocalyptic is that an apocalyptic thing is something that is revealing or uncovering. An apocalypse is something that is revealing something or uncovering something that, that was hidden before. What was hidden, what was behind the curtain, is now seen truly. And I feel that's where, that's where we've all been through. We've, we've had to face things in our world that, that maybe we had an easier time ignoring in the past. We learned things about ourselves and other people that maybe we were able to kind of push to the side and not pay attention to. We had to face some realities in our relationships, in our lives that maybe were, were avoidable before, but now they're unavoidable. And a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine sent me a quote that just, it just rang true for me. It's from a man named Ian Usher. And Ian Usher said, what we decide to do in the face of adversity is the truest test of character. What we decide to do in the face of adversity is the truest test of character. And, and I think that's where we are right now. Um, and, and so in the midst of all this, as I was preparing this message and working my way through the Gospels, really leaning on where we needed to go next after our first message in the series, I have the main idea from Leslie over my shoulder. The main thing is the remain thing, if you 
forget. It's right there. Um, I need the reminder too. But I was, as I was preparing this message, I stumbled on a video that led me into a book. And, and this book is by one guy who's a Christian author, and I don't know the faith background of the other guy, but, but in this book, they, they share a metaphor that was so helpful for me, especially as I was working through the text that we're going to be in a second. So I want to give you a, a little bit of an, an insight into this um, illustration, this metaphor. It works better in person, but we're going to do it here online. You know, one, one term or uh, image of adversity is hot water. We say somebody's in hot water. Often that's a negative thing. They're in trouble. But but hot water is kind of like the symbol for adversity, trial, and difficulty. And so I, I have some props here with me that I want to talk about when it comes to hot water. And, and the first one is a carrot. Now, if you're watching with some people, you're not watching this by yourself, I want you to think about what happens to a carrot when you put it in hot water. I know you're all screaming at me right now through your televisions or your computers or your phone, you know, what happens when you put a carrot in hot water? Well, it gets soft. If, if you have a carrot and it's like in the hot water and you're making like a, a stew or a roast, this is going to get really, really soft. Now I'm not the biggest fan of soft carrots, but I know some people like them. I mean, I had really soft, mushy carrots as a little baby and I've never really eaten them by choice since then. But, but when you take a carrot and you put it in water because of the chemical makeup of the carrot, it softens. And that's how I think some of us have been over the last 18 months. What we've been through has softened us. It's broken us down. It's, it's revealed places that weren't strong in us. And, and so we're not as um, strong as we were 18 months ago. We, we learned some things about ourselves that we needed to face. And for some of us, when, when you put us in adversity, we soften. That's a carrot. I've got another prop here, and it's an egg. It's not a chicken and an egg. It's a carrot and an egg. And, and with an egg, I want you to think about what happens to an egg when you put it in hot water. You're right. It gets hard. That's how you get a hard-boiled egg. Now, some people like soft-boiled eggs, which is you you don't let it get all the way hard, and so you have a the egg gets the egg white gets hard, and the yolk stays soft. I've got a friend; he had for many years he had soft-boiled eggs for breakfast every day. That was his thing. I know some people have a strong aversion to soft-boiled eggs, so I, I'm sorry for you throwing up in your mouth at that. But if you leave an egg in hot water, it will eventually harden totally. And that's kind of how some of us are with adversity or difficulty. It hardens us. Now, now, if you know somebody and you say, man, oh, they're they're really hard, that's not always a compliment. What that means is that life has caused them to harden their emotions, their shell, uh, the way they show up in relationships. It's not always a compliment if you're hard. And for some of us, the last 18 months have made us incredibly hard. Uh, they've, they've made us pricklier. They've made us difficult more difficult to get along with relationally. Maybe they've led to some more negative or difficult emotions that people experience from us. And so for some of us, the, the hot water hardens us. Well, the third metaphor or image that these guys shared in this book that I read was a coffee bean, a little tiny coffee bean right now. I'm going to show it to the camera. Now, I love coffee. I think one of the reasons why I'm confident that there is a God is because he made this lovely, lovely fruit from which we get these lovely beans. 
through which we turn uh, into the nectar of life known as coffee. So I'm, I'm a big coffee lover. Somebody was discussing me to somebody that they had just met, and they said, yes, yeah, Scott, he's, he's a coffee addict. And I said, I resemble that remark. I love coffee. Now, typically, I grind up my coffee. I typically make my coffee cold. And so cold brew coffee, you have really coarsely ground beans. Uh, for espresso, you have really finely ground beans. But I'm not sure if you knew this, but if you take a coffee bean or coffee beans and you put them in water, they don't soften. They don't harden. They actually change the water. If, if you put a, a carrot in water, the carrot changes. If you put an egg in water, the egg changes. But if you put a coffee bean in water, the water changes. Now, I wouldn't say you get the best coffee from just bean-infused water, um, but it does change the water. And, and what the writers of this book, Damon West and John Gordon, in their book, The Coffee Bean, they talk about is what does it mean to not be someone that is transformed by the environment you're in? What does it mean to be someone who transforms the environment you're in? Years ago, my friend John Randalls used to say, when you walk into a room, does the room change you or do you change the room? Do you conform to the values and principles and lifestyle of people around you? Or because you show up as a follower of Jesus with the Holy Spirit alive and well within you, when you walk into a room, do you change the room? And I've never forgotten that message. And today I want to talk to you in this series called This is the Way about the way of transforming. The way of transforming. How does transforming work in the life of a Jesus follower? And to do that, we're going to be in the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bible today, whether it's a digital one, a physical one, I'd encourage you to get it out and head to the book of Matthew. Now, Matthew is the first of four accounts of the life and teaching of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 16, we read these words. And if you don't have a Bible, I'm going to put these slides here on the screen with the verses. Beginning in verse 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? For what will anyone give in exchange for his life? Now I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 20, just a couple pages later. Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 25. And again, I'll have this on the screen here. There it says, Jesus called them, being his disciples, over and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. From these two passages representative of so much of the teaching of Jesus, we get this big idea about the way of transforming. And the big idea is this, that Jesus is transforming us so that we can transform 
whatever we touch. Jesus is transforming us so that we can transform whatever we touch. The transforming work that Jesus does, it starts in us, but it doesn't stop in us. And Jesus transforms us so that we can be transforming agents wherever he places us. So today, with the time that we have, I want to share with you the answer to this question. How does Jesus bring transformation through us? And I think it happens through three things. Uh, I've made them all start with the same letter. It's my favorite letter. It's the word. Nope, not that word. S right there. It's the word S. And the first one is through our surrender. If you're taking notes, filling in blanks, the S word is surrender. Jesus transforms the world around us. He brings transformation through us through our surrender. If you have your Bible open, look in Matthew 16, verse 25. In Matthew 16, 25, Jesus says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. One of the most difficult things that Jesus ever demands of us as his followers is surrender. You cannot follow Jesus without surrendering yourself to him. This is one of the reasons why for many people, if they get to adulthood Without meeting Jesus Christ, there is a very real struggle for them to become a follower of Christ because surrender by that point has become like a four-letter word. It has way more than four letters, but it's become like a four-letter word. It's the worst thing in the world. I know for me, one of my good friends, a guy named Tony, came to Christ in his early 40s. And, and for Tony, what was difficult, what was his last hang-up was surrender. He'd been living his life for four decades, and he'd been in charge. And he was learning as he began to explore faith in Jesus Christ. He realized that if he was going to follow Jesus, he was going to have to surrender his life. He was going to have to lay his life down and give control of it to Jesus. And that was really, really hard for him to swallow. He was going to have to make Jesus the leader of his life, and he was going to have to stop being the leader. He was going to become the follower. And maybe that's your challenge today. Maybe Jesus is calling you to surrender to him, and you're like, but I want to be in charge. I want to hold on to control. I want to do things in my way. And I would just tell you that you cannot follow Jesus without surrendering to him. And we see right here in Matthew 16, he says, if you try to hold on to your life, if you try to white-knuckle life, if you, if you keep these clenched fists having to be in control, you will never follow me. And you won't be a conduit, a pathway for my transformation to go out in the world. Jesus transforms the world around us, where he's placed us, where he's put us through our surrender. I've heard it said that the one thing that God cannot bless is unclenched fists. You can't put anything new in clenched fist. And it's only when we open up our fists and surrender ourselves to Jesus that he can bring things into our lives and bring things through our lives. In a little bit today, we're going to baptize out at the camp. We're going to celebrate in the lives of some people who've been transformed through Jesus's death and resurrection. And each of them speak to moments where they surrendered their life to Jesus, 
They gave him control. They turned their life over to him. They put their faith and trust in him and said, I'm no longer going to be the leader, Jesus. I'm going to be the follower. You're the leader of my life. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, that's where you have to begin is surrender. You don't have all the answers. You don't understand everything. You don't know the whole Bible. You haven't read every word of Jesus, but you know that he is who he says he is and that you need to surrender to him. Recently, I stumbled back on a quote about surrender that I think is so appropriate here from a woman named Marianne Williamson. She says, until your knees finally hit the floor, you're just playing at life. And on some level, you're scared because you know you're just playing. The moment of surrender is not when life is over. It's when it begins. The moment of surrender is not when your life is over. It's the moment your life begins. That's what Jesus says in in Matthew chapter 16. If you seek to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose it, you surrender it, you lay it down. Jesus says, you will find the life that is truly life. And I'll just tell you, that's been my experience this year. I've had moments of breakdown this year where I realized, Scott, you are so far from in charge. You are so far from in control. You have so much less power than you think you do. And I'd hit a wall and go, God, I don't know what I'm doing. God, I've never been here before. God, I've never had to go through this before. God, this is stretching me in ways I never have before. And I felt like in those moments, what God was leading me to do was to unclench my fists and surrender to him. So he could do things through me that I couldn't do myself. So he could move with power that I didn't have in myself. And we start here with through our surrender, because once you do that, everything else is possible. And until you do that, nothing else is possible. And so maybe right now, before we go any further, you need to have a moment of surrender with God. Maybe this is why you we're supposed to turn on this service today. Maybe this is why you were supposed to listen to this on our podcast or sermon archive later, that God is leading you to surrender and trust him and unclench your fist. And only then can you experience the transforming power of Jesus Christ in you and then through you. How does Jesus transform the world around us through our surrender? But it doesn't stop there. Second, thing he transforms through is through our sacrifice. So the first blank we're taking notes is surrender. The second blank is sacrifice through our sacrifice. Just a verse earlier in Matthew 16, 24, this is what Jesus said. If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow What Jesus is saying to us is that we cannot follow him without going through the same kinds of things that he did. If you want to be a follower of Jesus and yet you don't want to do or you don't want to walk the path that Jesus walked, there's a real problem. And what Jesus did is that he denied himself to go to the cross and die for us. He said to his father in the garden when he was praying, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But if it's your will, I'll drink this cup. I'll go to the cross. And and there's not a need for us to die on the cross. I mean, Jesus has already died on the cross. There's not a need for us to do it again. But there is a cross that he may call us to carry. 
and follow him. And all of this involves an incredible amount of sacrifice. Now, we don't like the word sacrifice in our culture. We, we like the idea of selfishness. We like the, the idea of being able to hold on to those things. And when somebody calls us to sacrifice, we, we resist that and push against it. But you can't have salvation without a cross. Without the sacrifice of Jesus, there'd be no forgiveness of our sins. In the same way, you can't have healing without pain. It's only because of the pain that Jesus went through that we are healed. And some of us, we want to be healed. We want to be free of things, but we're unwilling to go through the pain. If you've ever had a major injury and you've gone through rehab, that you know that for that healing to continue, there is some pain you have to go through. And the truth is, you can't have new life without death. I mentioned we're going to celebrate in baptism. If you've ever watched in baptism, somebody's lowered underneath the water and then they're brought back up. And, and that's to symbolize the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. The fact that before that person met Jesus, they were spiritually dead. But now that they have met Jesus, they have been raised to a new life. And that new life is one that Jesus invites them into where they deny themselves, they take up their cross, and they follow him. They choose to sacrifice themselves for something bigger and greater. In Matthew chapter 6, in the midst of his longest teaching, Jesus said these words, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. What Jesus says is, hey, if you seek me first and you sacrifice yourself and you deny yourself, I will give you what you couldn't have gotten if you had seek if you had seeked the word is sought if you'd sought your own agenda <laughs> never denied yourself and always indulged yourself he says there's a, there's a path of selfishness and it's got an end but there's a path of of self-denial and kingdom first mindset that leads you further than the selfish path could have ever taken you and our culture seems to say hey seek your own kingdom first Look out for yourself. Take care of yourself. Indulge yourself. Concern yourself with yourself. Be absorbed with yourself. But what Jesus says is, no, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. And let me be clear. I'm not saying that you never pay attention to your own real needs. I went through burnout in 2012. And it was a, a really brutal time that came on the end of me not actually looking out for myself, not paying attention to the state of my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength. The things that Jesus had called me in the greatest commandment to love him with. And it was only when I began to pay attention to those, allow Jesus to renew and refresh those, that I began to have something to give other people. And I think there was a period in time in the church w where there was a, a martyrdom context, con you know, uh, context or complex in people, that there was a belief that you just needed to deny yourself and keep serving and ignore those things. And I just want to say that, that when you burn yourself out for the kingdom, God is not honored by that. But at the same time, when you put yourself above everyone else and you say, hey, I can't seek the kingdom first because I'm seeking myself first, something is wrong. And you won't be that agent of transformation. You won't be that, that coffee bean that, that God has made you to be where you're not being changed, but you're the change agent. 
You're not walking in the room being changed by the room. You're walking in the room and you're changing the room. You won't be that unless you walk the path of sacrifice. So that's the second way that Jesus transforms us. Here's the third. The third way is through our service. The third S word is through our service. In Matthew 20, if you want to turn there, Matthew 20, verse 26, Jesus says, it must not be like that among you. He'd been talking about the model his disciples had for leadership in the Pharisees and religious leaders in, in the Greek culture around them that sought to be served. He said, it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Jesus, Jesus didn't say that it was a bad thing to aspire to greatness. He didn't say it was a bad thing to want to make an impact, to want to find significance in life. But what he said is you're not going to find it in the place they're looking. You're not going to find greatness in being served, being self-absorbed, being self-indulgent, being self-centered. He said, no, if you want to find greatness in my kingdom, that is the path of service. And our world currently is seeing in so many different places the harmful impact of self-indulgence. But Jesus can bring healing through our selfless service. He can transform our world, and he's been transforming our world as long as people have been following him because they've not sought to be served but to serve. Jesus even says later in that passage in Matthew 20, 28, that the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life for many. So again, if you want to follow Jesus and walk in the way of Jesus, you're not going to be greater than the one you're following. And you're not going to go through a path that's different than he walked. And so if Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, then if we're going to walk in his way, and, and where he's saying, hey, this is the way, it's the way of service. It's being a servant. Now, all of us, as the cliche goes, like talking about service until we get treated like a servant. Being treated like a servant is uncomfortable. It's difficult. But the person who serves has an opportunity to make a great impact. And that thing that Jesus does in us can become the thing that Jesus does through us as we submit to that. I mentioned we're going to baptize uh, today. And in 2 Corinthians 5 is one of the great summaries of the picture of baptism. There the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And we believe as followers of Jesus that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're no longer who you used to be. You're no longer the person you were. That old person is gone. There is a new person that has been born and remade in Jesus. And that's why the, the picture of baptism is so significant. The symbol of this person who's come out of the water, that the water didn't make them a new person. Jesus did when they put their faith and trust in him. And God is faithful not only to transform us, but to transform the world around us. And that's why... I, when I share this image of a coffee bean with you, I'm not saying, hey, will yourself, discipline yourself, control yourself so that you're a better person and you make a bigger impact. What I'm saying is in the same way that God has created this coffee bean with a unique chemical imprint that can change the environment that it's in, God has made you, if you are a follower of Jesus, a new creation. And if you follow in the way he is walking, 
if the place where he's saying this is the way and you're like, okay, I'm going to walk in it, then as that new creation, he has given you the power to transform whatever environment you're in. As Paul says in Romans 12, to not be conformed by the pattern of the world around you, but be transformed as God continues to make you new. So, as I said at the beginning, the big idea here is that Jesus is transforming us, and it doesn't stop with us. He's transforming us so that we can transform whatever we touch. So, I want to hit a couple next steps before we close today. And here's the first one. I want to encourage you this week to pay attention to the places where you're holding on to what the Holy Spirit is prompting you to surrender. Are there places where you are tightly fisted around what God wants you to lay down, give up, and surrender to him? Are there places where Jesus is calling you through the presence of his Holy Spirit within you to unclench your fists and surrender? Have you ever had a time in your life when you have surrendered yourself to Jesus Christ? And if you haven't, your relationship with God could change in a moment. In a moment, you could be made new. Jesus, I give my life to you. I surrender myself to you. I want to follow you. I want you to make me who I've not been able to myself. That prayer, when you pray it, doesn't need to be a complex, overly spiritual, you know, complicated prayer. A simple prayer of surrender can change everything. Both now and for eternity. So that's the first one. Pay attention to where you may be called to surrender. Number two, resist the temptation to selfishness and look forward to an invitation to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow the way of Jesus. If you're going to follow Jesus and be his follower, then you need to be prepared that there is going to be an opportunity for you where you'll be able to choose selfishness or deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. If Jesus had to carry a cross, I believe we're going to have a cross to carry too. Now, we don't have to die on that cross. He's already died on that cross for us. But that challenge, that burden, that opportunity, that struggle, that difficulty, if that was part of Jesus's life and his followers as well, it's going to be part of it for us. So you need to anticipate an invitation to that. And remember, it's going to be our world inviting you to selfishness and Jesus inviting you to deny yourself. And then number three, if you were there at the uh, camp, I'd give you a coffee bean, but I can't give you coffee bean through the internet. And so I'd encourage you to find a coffee bean and carry it with you all week. And every time you see it, every time you touch it, every time you smell it, glorious aroma, I want you to ask God to transform the place where he's put you. Most of us in life end up somewhere we didn't plan to be. We're not always the best prognosticators of where life is going to take us. And so maybe it comes to your family. Maybe it comes to where you work. Maybe it comes to where you live. Maybe it comes to some of the places that you're spending time and hobbies and your free time. But wherever it is, I want you to carry that coffee being around this week and say, God, where you have placed me, use me. To not be like the carrot or the egg that are transformed by the place they are, 
but God, use me to be an agent of transformation. God, when I walk into the room, by your grace, by your Holy Spirit in me, God, help me to not be changed by the room, but to change the room. That's what walking in the way of Jesus looks like. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking powerfully through it. I thank you that you are faithful to use someone as imperfect as me in a new environment, a new way of presenting your word to speak to the hearts of people. Your word, Jesus, is living and active like a double-edged sword. It cuts into our hearts. It reveals the truth and it creates a place for you to do real work and change. So today, we surrender ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you that we might follow you along the way of sacrifice and service. We pray that you'd use us to transform the places you've put us. And I pray for somebody who's watching right now. I have a feeling somebody's going to be watching today who has never surrendered their life to you. And I pray that even right now through a screen, they would surrender their lives to you for the very first time. They'd put their faith and trust in you, that you died on the cross for their sins, that you did for them what they couldn't do for themselves. And I pray that today they would open up their heart and give their lives to you, trust you to be the leader, that they wouldn't be the leader anymore, they'd be the follower. And they would begin, through their engagement with Cornerstone, to discover what it means to follow in your way, to trust you, to believe in you, to lean on you, to follow you. I pray that you would do that work in their heart today and they would respond to what you're stirring up in them. Thank you for meeting us here today, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.